Whoa, what a hot, horrible summer. What a ooh, climate disaster. What a worldwide climate disaster we're living through. I mean, what a terrible time to be born into this world as a human being. To be conceived and to be forced to, to depend on older generations that just don't give a fuck. And it's like, oh, you know, younger people, they don't give a fuck because it's like, oh, there's a flood coming. It's about to destroy everything we've ever been born into. All, all of our, our, it's just, there's like a flood of uh, heat and flies and garbage and sewage and uh, fire and destruction and fascism and evil. It's just on its way. No matter what you do, we're, we're all just totally fucked. And there's thunder outside for, um, anyway, didn't get a guest this time. I'm just going to ramble and talk for an hour on the Healing Club podcast. Okay, my name is Bob Morrissey. That's the name of this podcast. Is It's the Bob Morrissey blah, 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 Bob podcast. That It's not really taken off. It's not really very important. I'm not very good. I'm a comedian in Houston. You know, I've been doing the local shows and open mics several times a week. For 11 years, I won a contest 10 years ago. I copped an attitude. I acted important. I thought I was good. I did all sorts of uh, shows and with uh, some of the best comedians in the country, like David Huntsberger and Maria Bamford and Chris Fairbanks and of uh, open doors and you know shown uh the way toward success and uh, you know like uh, pointed toward possibilities for newcomers in the scene and i've tried my best to always stay humble and keep track of just the the uh the idea that that, that i'm here to be funny that the world wants me to be funny and the world will give me more attention once I deserve it and the the whole point is not to do anything but be funny all you got to do is be funny to people and uh and then they'll like you for it and you'll get what you want and you'll be able to but don't put the ambition don't put the uh calculation uh before being funny I don't know, just, I, I fall into situations. I don't calculate them. I let them happen. I'm so funny. Um, what have I been reading recently? Uh, I, 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 I was reading Depression, A Public Feeling by Anne Chetkovich. She's, um, uh, thinking of uh, psychoanalytic paradigms and phenomenology and uh, cultural geography and 
Foucauldian notions of biopower and how to live a better life by embracing rather than glossing over bad feelings. Um, yeah, that is, it's a... That's what the healing club is all about. Um, I've been uh, drawing a lot. I uh, been been writing, writing, uh, slowly writing new jokes. Um, saying things. Um, um, God damn it! A new new neighbor. God damn it! Damn it! I hate it. I hate I. I hate feeling like somebody's watching me, you know? Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me, like that song that's not Michael Jackson, but it sounds like Michael Jackson. I think Michael, Michael Jackson actually wrote that song, but it sounded like him, you know, like in that. Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me. Um, yeah. Nobody in the world likes it when I show them my journal. Nobody in the world likes it. Nobody in the world uh, wants to uh, indulge my uh, creative uh, ineptitude with with uh, reinforcements and and uh, oh, good job, Bob! You're 44. Oh, look at you, Bob! You're 44. You just drew that, and you're 44. Wow! I'm so impressed. Nobody says so. So why do I keep going? I don't know. Um, every show is a charity show when I'm on it. That was something Cody Greenlee said. I, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm writing jokes such as, uh, about how I was looking online recently and I heard about this gay getaway and I was like, no gay gets away from me. Give him back. I want that gay getaway. To get back here. I want that gay getaway. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Uh, that was a joke. Um, I've been doing that on stage. Hey. And uh, don't know what this is, but I write it. I write stuff like this down in my diary. And I drew a, a nose. I've been going through drawing exercises. I'm trying to draw different body parts like lips, eyes, nose, faces, arms, butts, feet, legs, you know, haunches. I've been drawing stuff on the face. I've been just trying to draw, trying to get better at drawing. I don't know. Things get more realistic. When, I'm, I don't know. I'm using models. I, I, I was drawing horses for a while. I like to draw, you know birds whatever i want to draw it i want to be a good artist anyway i drew a nose okay i and then i wrote what can only be really considered a poem because uh, i don't know i'm gonna smoke some weed and my mind just goes places words just appear and i, and I, I feel like a compulsion to write them down I, I don't know do i hear them or see them or when i'm drawing i think something i don't know is it which sense is it that provokes it? But is it coming from me or am I just regurgitating things I heard on television or read in a book or talked to with friends? Okay. 
that's that's all that the creativity is all right you dumb shit okay so what would this be called this is a this has to be categorized unfortunately as a poem um it says man of his word deceived by his own word if were it not for the crash i'd have fallen bird landing sounds like a far-off woman screaming in fear but it's a bird like a flamingo landing in the bike lane on the road it's not a woman screaming it's a bird landing free expression recollection i love how the sausage is made i love this place okay that's uh that's beautiful bob morrissey you are beautiful bob morrissey you're uh, doing it right okay i was um i've been reading a couple of books I've, I've, i just read in the last month the problem of democracy by nancy eisenberg and andrew bernstein and it's the president's atoms confront the cult of personality so it's a dual biography a sympathetic dual biography of both john adams and john quincy adams and it's about their personalities as expressed through diaries and journals and so many primary sources are available to two people who were the first you know the the, the second and sixth presidents of the united states john and john quincy adams first uh, father's father son uh, president legacy anyway it it was it was about their their um their they were both uh, serious political thinkers and framers and founders and diplomats and uh it was of uh, like f f the what the adams and did the to to shape the political thought and the federalist papers and um anyway right, like mostly what they were concerned with was uh roman examples of statescraft like as exemplified by cicero or just just utopian worlds of uh political interaction and a lot of the um yeah like uh the founders and the framers they didn't uh, uh they, they didn't anticipate some of the uh the the weaknesses of the of the constitution and, and of our uh political economy in general and, and and the 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 cancers that would develop and bloom into the civil war and uh, the formation of parties and the the petty politics of and like and, and capitalism and so i don't know like so as so i read the the book about the adamses and uh oh, history of uh united states in the early 19th century and you know how the jacksonian populist politics became ascendant and um crushed both the uh uh i don't know 
I, I like to read about sad shit. I don't. I like to read about the, the Native Americans and and uh, the um, origins of our uh, pol- political uh, culture and and what people fight about now. It's it's uh, it's 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 lineage and and roots and uh, the the. I was a history major in college, anyway. So I, but so I read that that. John Adams' book uh, and John Quincy Adams' book, The Problem of Democracy, and then that was about how um, cult of, cults of personality are, are formed behind political parties and people like Andrew Jackson. Um, their image is more powerful than uh, their substance. Or, or, you know, they, they, they know who cares what their substance is. They, they, anybody could do that if they... If, if you're an image, it's more important than being, um, like, like John, Andrew Jackson was like a literate. He was, he was just a murderer and, you know, war hero. And, uh, but he was also brilliant and canny and, uh, calculating and cool and smart and, and seemed like, you know, a hero. Whereas the, the Adams is they're They're just nerds. They were, uh, a couple of nerds like me. But they 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 read a lot of books and they they had libraries and they and they they thought deep thoughts and they you know expressed fine feelings for their loved ones and they cherished their uh, humanity and their adventure on this earth and they tried to do their best to you know build a better world a utopian society that unfortunately had to include slavery uh, you know like in the early nineteenth century. It was a fact of life, but John Quincy Adams was revolted by uh, the the slaveocracy and the, uh, the, the the but he but he also accepted it because he worked with it. He was president of it. He was you know, a representative in Congress after he was president. He was but he, his his lifelong fight was to end slavery after he was president, but. Meanwhile, he you know became president by by accepting the money behind you know, and 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 dealing with the set the status quo. Um, so so like uh, this other book I read uh, called "The First Tycoon: The Epic Life of Cornelius Vanderbilt" by T.J. Styles. Um, that that. Uh, is a biography of, of you know the the in, industrialists railroad baron and you know uh, the 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 steamship uh, pioneer and um, uh, uh, capitalist arch capitalist uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt and, and and the world he built and that is um, some of the so, so that, that's like a business biography of how capitalism was was became uh, um, separated from um, like, like 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 money about how abstraction uh, and and corporatization and uh, and banks and the, how the world is built on abstract things like corporations and and how that happened and and how people like Vanderbilt became monopolists and um and 
it's all very interesting. It's, it's, it's there's a lot that, uh, 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 there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that the Adamses didn't really consider important that, that they didn't just because they didn't understand it, and and, and they were smart guys, you know, like our our, our first uh, pr- pr- presidents. A lot of them were like smart guys, but they and the, our founders, you know, but uh, they they didn't see where the world was going and how. Um, organized money could uh like like it could become what it is now um and, and how uh maybe it was like, like i don't know maybe the fight that uh, was fought in the original um like 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 1776 to 1783 the revolution uh, against Britain, oh, like uh, people could like uh, visualize what they were fighting for, for land, or for um, the right to 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 be free was was the right to own something, and to and to have you know like stacks of 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 cash that are redeemable in gold. And uh, and but then once, once once banking and corporations and uh, charter companies and shell corporations and like uh, market mechanisms got more complicated more and more through the 19th century, to such an extent that like, it all seems imaginary now. Like being a billionaire. And and um, people, yeah, like, uh, uh, is is this about how how was our unreality built? How was our uh, how are our lives determined by things that are just um, insanely complex? And and how is the cult of personality? Uh, a substitute like like how how does image become representative and why why is why are we even fucking here? I guess that's uh those are all things I, I I really think about on my own and and I doubt anybody else would ever um find it interesting for the same reasons. I don't know what I'm thinking of. I don't know what I'm talking about. I I I, I spend about uh um. Well, I don't know. I, I I like to I like to read a lot. I like and I don't know. I've got my my boyfriend and I are watching the show Barry, and uh, you know, I'm just a simple guy. I do my stand up. I'm running shows at the at the Secret Group at the successful show every other Monday at the Secret Group at eight o'clock, five dollars. Just come on in. We always have great lineups. Um, Avant Garden, the upstairs show. God damn it upstairs at Avant Garden on Thursdays at 9 p.m. every Thursday, every goddamn Thursday, I I'm invested in people and talking to people and and being uh expressive and funny and coming up with new things and I always think I'm going to find good ideas by reading books and 
watching interesting stuff and keeping a diary and learning to draw and having um, a soul, I think. But where is there something about like being an atheist with a soul? Is there something that um, is contradictory in that? Yes. I don't know. Am I just blabbing? Would anybody, would anybody like to somebody stop me? That's um, the mask. The Jim Carrey. Why? I'm just trying to. What if I were singing right now? Anyway, I'm also currently reading Ada Ferrer. Her uh, timely, revealing, and moving as the the Economist describes. Cuba and American History by Ada Ferrer as timely, revealing, moving. It's history of Cuba. I'm thinking about uh, slavery and sugar and the roots of, um, of, of, ever, of, of a lot of stuff. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Okay. Um as uh, I'm afraid that my my neighbors are just walking around um around my I'm living in a fourplex in Houston and I've got a new upstairs neighbor and I hope that I hope that nobody's actually like sitting by my door with an ear to the wall or you know to the door and and and, and a notebook in their lap writing down these things I'm saying about uh, American history and and democracy and capitalism and business and and the things we live with and the horrors of our minds and the um, jokes of our community and the style of smash mouth um the the man who was the singer of smash mouth died last week um uh, okay and i had you know i was reaching lowest of the low bottom of the barrel you know dumbest idea possible open mic workshop you know free to anyone just say whatever you're thinking try to be funny i was like Hey now, you're a dead guy to the singer Smash Mouth. Yeah, it's like that song All Star. Uh, um, what? It, okay, so this this uh, Anz Chetkovich's book, Depression: A Public Feeling, um, is. I'll read a little paragraph here. It says, Chapter 2 sets aside the medical model in order to pursue the speculative hypothesis. In order to pursue the speculative hypothesis that the cause of depression is not biochemical imbalances, but the long-term effects of racism and colonialism. Its point of departure is the histories of genocide, slavery, and exclusion and oppression of immigrants that seep into our daily lives of segregation, often as invisible forces that structure comfort and privilege for some and lack of resources for others, inequities whose connections to the past frequently remain obscure. 
These are depressing conditions, indeed ones that make depression seem not so much a medical or biochemical dysfunction as a very rational response to global conditions. Okay, so I guess I read a lot about what are global conditions and why would anybody be depressed uh, be as a rational, reasonable response to global conditions. What if you're you know, living in this world with no power and then you understand where all the power comes from and who has it and why they want to keep it and what that's going to mean for everybody who has to live here. It's their world, not ours. We just live here. Oh, that's it's we're living in a, an age of, of climate fear. I fear what's going to happen by the end of this century when I hear about, um, you know, ice caps collapsing and oceans uh, losing the ability to support life and, and, and like mass extinctions all over the planet of, of uh, like fauna and flora and I'm, I'm 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 a terrified little child watching as as uh as my species is ruining the planet for every other species and we are facing a crisis which uh might result in the annihilation of humanity by the end of the century and I worry about that. And is it normal for me to be depressed about it? Or do I just have a biochemical malfunction in my brain that makes me sad? Would I be sad 10,000 years ago before industrialization? Oh, no, I'd be totally different. But would there be things that would have made it reasonable for me to be sad then that don't exist now? I betcha. I betcha it would suck to be a hunter-gatherer it would suck i bet you couldn't be gay i bet you couldn't eat ass and i bet if you did you'd get stoned to death and not in the good way you'd be smashed in the head with stones and, and i i think that would be um you know like that's that's what goes on in my brain my day my brain's dumb i'm bad i'm stupid and um Oh, I also read uh, the Philip Roth novel, Indignation. It was his last book. And, uh, oh, God, I've read, uh, I've read 13 Philip Roth novels. And, uh, I, 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 I counted them up before, uh, before finishing this, this one. And what have I read? I read Goodbye Columbus. I read Portnoy's Complaint. I read um, Zuckerman Unbound, and um, I read uh, The Plot Against America, Operation Shylock, uh, Patrimony, The Counter Life, The Counter Life, uh, American Pastoral, I Married a Communist, um, The Human Stain, and um, I. I I read Sabbath's Theater and um, well, was Patrimony. I think I might have said that already. I, uh, uh, Exit Ghost. That was okay. So I like reading this Philip Roth fellow, and he writes 
always as a um, invented version of himself, sometimes as a man named Zuckerman, sometimes as uh, a guy named Kapesh, uh, and he, he's always a, um, a voice that comes out of him. Is it, it, he seems autobiographical, but it's, but it's always invented lives that aren't his with a person who resembles him, obviously, because it's his voice describing things that never happened. Um, Indignation is a story of a, of a, of a kid in 1951, born or, you know, living at around the same time. Uh, Philip Roth was born in 1933, so he would have been 18 in 1951. And in this uh, fiction, uh, um, this 18-year-old uh, this kid in 1951, who's the butcher's son, is... Uh, um, He's a brilliant kid, but he's 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 very scared of of being uh, sent to the Korean War, and uh, he okay, like he his life goes wrong and he gets kicked out of school and sent to Korea and killed, and uh, and it's it's a uh, it's the story of his uh of his of his death uh, as described by uh. How, you know the the afterlife version of him uh like what did what did he how did it all happen and and uh and, and how, how did things go from normal to, to him being uh uh stabbed to death by a bayonet on a hill in korea one year later like um and and uh and and, and it's a it's Okay, I, I gave away the ending. You know, I, I told you that uh, it's it's about a, a ghost writing his own story, um, but uh, but it's also about uh, America, and it's about us. It's the story of us. It's uh, I'm I'm. How would your ghost tell your story? I I don't know if uh, my ghost would have the words to to describe Bob Morrissey as. Uh, you know, in a hundred years, what would I sound like if I were a ghost? Uh, I, I guess uh, I'm I'm trying to 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 plot that out and 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 map it for you here on this podcast. That's what this is, and I'm I'm like maybe somebody will hear this a hundred years from now. Not like I, you know, yeah, that'd be kind of curious. That'd be kind of cool. Um, where will we be? What would you do if you knew? who we would be in 100 years would you keep going in the way you're going would you still do what you do every day would you clock in at the strip club and just play those songs by foreigner and journey or would you i'm a dj at a strip club and i play songs by trey songs and the dream and ariana grande and doja cat so um plus foreigner and journey okay there's a place for all of us, Bob Seeger. You know, it's his world. We're just living in it. Uh, anyway, is it going to matter a hundred years from now? Do you think anybody's going to know who Billy Joel was in a hundred years? Uh, those are my questions. All right, and that's what's going on in my stupid head. And uh, okay, I just wanted to keep this podcast going. It's important to me to to just put out a document or a record or something every week, and and. Sometimes my boyfriend Andy tells me like, you know, 
a lot of people do comedy because uh, they enjoy it. You seem to do it because you feel like it's something you have to do. Uh, like, like you, you go up there with this, this determination to be funny that maybe kind of kills your hilariousness for audiences or audiences see anything that looks like it's pre-written made up scripted and they don't like it uh, and and even though some of the stuff that you do is really good it's like it's just obvious to people that you're not a funny person you're not a lot of fun bob you're not any fun i am not fun i am i'm i'm a funny comedian when i go something you know when i do something like uh, gay getaway oh give me that gay i guess that's a funny joke i mean but uh the at the base of it all, I guess I'm not that funny. I'm just kind of depressed. And um, maybe audiences see that. And maybe I, I don't get what I want because I don't deserve it. Or not. Or, or it's not what people want to pay for. It's good that I do it. Maybe maybe I could work on it. Maybe I could get better. Maybe I will be what people want. And I'll know how to instinctively navigate the waters of any stage and just react to any moment in a way that's super funny. If I keep fucking going up. If I keep trying to do this podcast. If I learn different skills. And I master some voices and some tricks. And, you know, get a soundboard. That's stupid. I don't know. I, I, I got I got <laughs> Damn it. Oh. Okay. Um I think I I don't I just uh this is the healing club. I don't know. I'm I I think I I want to be in the moment and uh, of a style, and uh, I don't want to get like. I never want to hurt anyone. Although, oh boy, I hurt myself all the time, and uh, sometimes when I think I'm only hurting myself, I am hurting others. So, there's that to think about. I was gonna maybe read a little story or something. Here's a notebook I, I can find. I, I got an old notebook. Um, I opened it up to this. This is a 2015, 2016. This is from 2016. Possible ro roast joke. Um, and I drew a, a guy doing stand-up with the cat next to him. R.I.P. Mrs. Kisses, you were a great cat. Anyway, this roast joke directed not at anyone in particular if that van halen song were written about you it would have been called chump instead of jump be like might as well chump chump and that'd be about you um that was my joke you led me to believe you're young enough to give me love and now it hurts to know the truth oh it's like the pedophile who got tricked by somebody who was actually old um 
Gary Puckett and the Union Gap had a song called Young Girl. Um, Get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of line. But what if she was like old enough, but he was upset that she was too old. And then he'd be like, you know, okay. A less sleazy or no, more sleazy. Uh, The, um... Ah, it says, um, okay, I was working at a restaurant at this time. I was working at a Chewy's restaurant on Westheimer near Kirby, and I had to wear stupid t-shirts every day, like, uh, kiss me, I'm Mexican, in a green shirt. It was a Mexican restaurant, but, like, I'm not Mexican, I'm actually Irish, and then I would wear this shirt that shouldn't have been made. Anyway, it would say... Like, uh, like I have like a ter- another example of they try to do funny T-shirts. There's a Terminator Two themed T-shirt, uh, and it's and it's like the Terminator on the shirt and the Chewy's logo, and it says the Terminator's like, "I'll be guac," like because because you might want some guacamole, and and the robot Terminator might be guac. Would does I'm is that funny? Um. So anyway, in my diary, I was writing, um, getting way too excited about watching a fat guy eat ice cream, delivering pizzas for a living and laughing at nothing, pouring bad information into my head all the time. And then breakfast at Tiffany's song place where I work is a restaurant where they serve food for people who don't have teeth and don't want them. It is a low-status job, and that's where I'm comfortable. Riding in my book in Brian's car. We should call our show The Gas Station. Get gassed. Holocaust's only $5. Your punchlines are pathetic. That's my inner voice going, your punchlines are pathetic. That'll holocaust you $5 to get gassed. Call the podcast, the gas station, get gassed. Every time you hear this, you die. And that's why we don't really have a big listenership is because most people who listen to this get killed. And if you're listening to this, you might die. I'm sorry. It's not a cause and effect thing, but there's correlation, not causation. Anyway. That's, um, uh, this says after all my pages and pages of thoughts and years of effort and simple minded dedication, the result sucks. The benefits I expected were never to be materialized. A true comedian never strains to maintain credibility. I enjoy seeing what people look like as victims. Okay, well, all right, Bob. Maybe that's the problem. All right, maybe you enjoy seeing what people look like as victims. Maybe that's why you're not a good comedian, because you're always victimizing. All right, well, you know, people want to be on your side. They don't want to see you destroyed. If you're a good comedian, you don't want to be destroyed. Okay, um... You took my joy and I want it back. I wrote that song. Um... Making a dumb choice on stage. Dumb memory reservoir. 
Pichacu sombrero. Pikachu sombrero. Stop chasing the man who killed my son because I don't care anymore. Oh, it was like, what if they made a sequel to Ransom with, um, uh, not Harrison Ford, with Mel Gibson, where he, he, in that movie, he said, give me back my son. But then like 30 years later, he's like, I stopped chasing my son because I just don't care anymore. He's old enough to take care of himself if he's alive anyway. He would never call. All right. Yeah, stop. Leave me alone. I don't care about my son. <sighs> Bad food for people whose teeth are all gone. That's where I. OK, so, yeah, I, I thought that was like I work at a restaurant where people don't even want their teeth. You know, like not having teeth is a sign of success when you're like a person who eats at this restaurant because it's like, I'm cool enough to eat this food without chewing. I don't need to chew my food at Chewy's. I don't want teeth. Um, my dad used to say, I don't give a single goddamn. Um, but he didn't say that because he died when I was six months old. And I never know what I have no idea what he said. And I will never know. It's, uh... Oh. Okay, one time I, um... Was working at Chewy's. And I was carrying around my little book. This little book I, I carry around. My little diary with my dumb thoughts. And my, my shitty drawings. And my, my pithy phrases. And my unexplored ideas. And, you know, I just... I'm like, uh... uh my pasta thrown at the wall notebook. And I think some of it's funny, and I think some of the little drawings are actually pretty cool. And I was working with this girl named Mercedes. She was a waitress, and I thought of her as a girl because she was in her early 20s, and I was in my, my late 30s and um, working at a humiliating job. And uh, so, you know, I just... I still think of it, and, and I say the word girl, but she was a woman. She's a woman, and oh, this woman, but, you know, like, uh, with a with a bubbly waitress, pretty girl personality. Um, somebody I liked working with. And anyway, she saw me carrying this book around, and she's like, oh, what man, what's that book? And uh, I was like, oh, it's just my, I do stand-up comedy, and I keep a little diary all the time, and I just keep it. Eh, there's some down moments when I gotta stand somewhere and I just want to write something down. And, uh, uh, in the hours between, I, I just would keep this. This book was small enough to keep my little waiter's apron. And and so like there's a downtime and I just filled the iced tea at the iced tea station. And then we we were just waiting for people to show up and there was nothing to do. And she's like, oh, let me look at your book. And uh, I was like, uh, okay, yeah, you can look at the book. And she was like, um, all right. And she opened it up to this page, and I saw her read this page as the first page in the book she looked at. She didn't look at any of the cute little dog drawings or cats or, you know, anything like that. Um, it just, she opened it up to, I'm suicidal. My drawings are worthless. My comedy is terrible. People don't like it, and my writing is garbage. I look terrible. I'll never make enough money for as long as I live. That's why it's so important for me to kill myself. They fired me at Black Hole because my art sucks. My personality is unpleasant. I'll never grow up. I'll never have dignity. Greg doesn't love me. Everyone's over it. 
Honesty gets you nowhere in this life. I shouldn't cherish my bad attitude so hard all the time. That is a... That is an ugly trait. Pale mush set to music. When I was 35 and I got banged all the time. Okay, so like, there's a long way to get there, but it's a kind of a funny joke about Frank Sinatra at the end there. Where, you know, it's like that song where he's like, When I was 35 and i got banged all the time you know gay frank sinatra that's kind of funny but you know the woman at the chewies didn't think so and a good comedian never loses confidence and neither did i so that's this is as long as i want to go on this podcast i just did a podcast just to put something out and I hope you really enjoyed it. I hope I hope you know me a little better. I hope you like me a little more. I hope this is good enough for you. I hope the next one has a guest. Um, I've just been lazy about lining people up, but I know I got Nick Palermo coming to talk to me on Monday, and I do have friends, and Houston is a good city for comedy, and I do stand-up, and it's fun, all right? So I don't want to kill myself. I just read about it and think about it, and I, and I, I'm, and I put it into context of our colonialism and our capitalism and our fascism and our evil society corrupted and overwhelming and climate change and death 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 all right so it's funny okay uh come to god damn it on thursdays at avant garden at nine o'clock come to the successful show Alternate Mondays at The Secret Group at 8 o'clock. That show's $5. God damn it is a free show. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I love you. This is The Healing Club.